Hello, and welcome to Affable Chat. My name's Benjamin, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today, we have a special treat for everyone. We are joined by our special guest, Corey Novotny. Corey, say hey. Hey, how's it going? Corey is an old friend of Joey and I's, and my co-host on the uh, currently named Ben and Corey podcast, where we talk about sports and other things every uh, every couple of weeks. Uh, so, Corey and I have a lot of experience on the mic together, uh, but this is his first time joining on this podcast, and today we're talking about Dodgeball, a true underdog story. That's right. It's a comedy. Directed by Rawson Marshall Thurber, the director of Terry Tate Office Linebacker. Great line of commercials. Yes. Uh, cast includes Derek Zoolander, Vincent Vaughn, that one guy from Firefly, a Mac, and Sally Sitwell. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how'd you watch it? Uh, Amazon Video. Corey, how did you watch this movie? I watched it on MTV. You caught Which, it while I was playing on TV? Yes. Yes. I just uh, <laughs> happened to uh, find it on the afternoon. I was trying to watch it. So I, it's thought fit- I, <laughs> I think it's fitting because this movie is kind of a throwback uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, but we'll, 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 before we get into that, Joey, why don't you hit us with a synopsis? Okay. A man meets Lance Armstrong and turns his life around. Okay, yes, that is the story of Dodgeball, and uh, I, the reason I said it was a throwback is not only is this movie from, well, it's, it's kind of old, but also the beginning is very throwback, uh, like a tape recorder answering machine, uh, <laughs> and, and one of the answering machine messages is about your overdue movie rentals, like <laughs> blast from the past there, uh, but okay, the reason we're, we did uh, this movie, the reason we did Dodgeball, uh, is because that was the one Corey wanted to talk about when we talked about having Corey on the podcast. Uh, so, Joey, why don't you give us your pros? What do you like about this movie? I think this movie is really funny. <laughs> There's lots of jokes, and they're all really fast. Wait, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I, I definitely did that out of order. I'm saying, Corey, Corey. So, Joey, oh, okay. let, me, let me pull it back. <laughs> Sorry. Corey, why don't you tell us what you like yes. about it? We'll get to you in a minute, Joey. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a hilarious movie. It's a ridiculous premise with even more ridiculous characters. I think we have a likable protagonist that leaves the audience pulling for him despite his flaws. And, you know, it has that typical sports movie ending, but it has enough drama and surprises in between to keep the film and average Joe's run to the championship interesting. And tournament final takes place in Vegas. That's one of my favorite cities to go to. And uh, I always love seeing Las Vegas in movies. I, uh, I've been to Las Vegas. Both times I've gone, I've been with you, Corey. And yep. I, I do like that aspect of the movie as well. Um, Joey, why don't you go next? And I, I just <laughs> want to mention, uh, since we've been doing this podcast for so long, I have started to accidentally call everyone Joey. I'll be, uh, I'll be in, the, in the middle of a conversation with people and be like, and call them Joey without noticing it. And they'll be like, Joey? And, and, <laughs> and they don't even know who you are. So uh, it's perfect. It only makes sense that I would do it on the podcast. Uh, but t- why don't you tell us what you liked about it? Okay. Um, yeah, just like Corey said, this movie is still hysterical. There's lots of jokes, just really, really fast. It's, and there's lots of iconic lines that you, just, you don't even remember are from this movie. Um, ben Stiller is absolutely incredible in this movie. Um, and all the characters, and I would, I would argue not Vince Vaughn, but all the characters are funny and fun. 
and they all have their own little arcs that kind of follow through in a satisfying way. Um, and yeah, just like Corey said, the, the ending is just perfect. Like it's a nice, happy, heartfelt ending. Um, and uh, my, my, but my favorite part of this whole movie is just dodgeball to sport. The way it's presented, the way they explain all the rules and everything, I just think it's hysterical and it's, uh, it makes you want to play. So uh, I love that. Yeah, I think that that is one of the, definitely one of the things this movie has going for is the unique premise. It's, uh, you know, you can have a movie called Dodgeball because there's not a lot of movies called Dodgeball. Like, if you had a movie called Football, people would be like, that's not specific enough. There's right. too much football. But Dodgeball, it's not, obviously not as seriously taken as of a sport, which in itself is funny. So, yes, I big ups for the original premise. I, I even remember when this movie came out, it was like, dodgeball a movie like it's it's just a, a unique idea um uh, there's big stars uh in this movie and big cameos as well uh that i think they're the type of cameos that belong in this movie where it's kind of wacky and you're like wait a second was that chuck norris you know like it's and, and i'm and for the time i think that that this movie was made that they were pretty home run hits uh for cameos uh the movie's obviously very quotable uh as a person who caught on to this movie really late uh it, it's kind of it, it, it's kind of satisfying to finally see the lines where these uh these quotes came from because i heard so many of these quotes in high school uh growing up uh and also i i think the character of white goodman is hilarious uh and and we'll get into that a little bit later but yeah. uh so we, we that's a lot of pros let's uh let's see if we can tap into the cons here uh joey why don't you go first for this one i do mean joey this time <laughs> do you <laughs> <laughs> okay so um just in general, comedies just don't age well as, as like they used to. You know, anything that has come out in the last 10 years that kind of has that same feeling as this movie is going to hit some notes that are just not, you know, not going to sit well. Um, and I don't think that's this movie's fault at all. Um, but, for you know, watching it nowadays, if it came out today, it wouldn't probably have the same critical appeal as it does when it came out. I also didn't like Vincent Vaughn's character at all. I thought he was rather unlikable um but he does kind of have a satisfying arc at the end so i will give you i'll give you that and there's also some uncomfortable sexual advances from both our protagonist and our antagonist which was uncomfortable yeah i, I picked up on that too uh cory you... his uh uh hey legs or hello legs moment oh yeah that's <laughs> that's yeah definitely reminiscent of uh batman 1989 uh with the seeing a woman and immediately going into like creep mode yeah but uh we will get into that Corey, can you add on to that what are your cons yeah yeah i mean i do agree with a lot of those uh takes just about this being an older movie and you know some of the the things that happen in it uh probably wouldn't sit well today i uh, just a couple other things um uh, i think that one thing i hadn't noticed until this time that i just watched it was that i felt like there were some moments of weak dialogue especially in the beginning of the movie um, I thought early on there were just some like poor execution of lines and as they were like really trying to set up the characters like there were just some some kind of odd uh, conversations mm. had um, but outside of that I really my biggest complaint is I think this movie is a little too overquoted by other people and I don't necessarily think that's a, a like bad thing about the movie it's just it can get annoying when you have uh, people constantly saying some of the the quotes that you know we're going to get into later. 
I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, that can definitely hurt the delivery from the movie after you've heard it over and over and over again mm-hmm. in real life, uh, which, yeah, I totally agree with because most of the, every like iconic line in this movie I heard so many times <laughs> on my soccer team. Uh, like I can't tell, especially balmy blazer i can't tell you how many times i heard balmy blazer in freaking high school and i didn't know what they were talking about and when i found out i was like that was not worth it (laughs) 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 it's a it's a funny it's it's funny in the moment but it was not i shouldn't have had to hear that line so many times yeah i I think that's that's a funny line to throw out there but i think in terms of the context of the movie like there's other funnier lines yeah that's around that joke totally i just i just happened to you know, be around guys who loved quoting that line and around a bunch of balls at the same time every day. So I, I can't blame the movie on that. I'm just telling you about my personal experience. But uh, yeah, I, on top of you guys' comments, I'm just going to um, add, uh, I think that there's kind of an unclear message here. Uh, I, I, I I like hearing that you guys took something away from it because I would love to hear you expand on that because I'm open to understanding it more. But honestly, I felt like the message was a little bit unclear. Um, There's a lot of lowbrow humor in this. This is, uh, as far as other affable chat movies go, it reminded me a little bit of the the post-apocalyptic humor that we got from, uh, what's it called? It's on the tip of my tongue here. Um, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> idiocracy sorry uh, I, don't, uh, I don't know okay, i couldn't okay. remember idiocracy but it was like where you're like you just at some point you groan at uh some of the lowbrow comedy and uh and then also the poor treatment of women something i think one of the largest aspects of this movie that didn't age well um or or wouldn't fly today but that's the cons let's move on to our overall section uh and to start it off we uh this was Corey was quick with the recommendation for the movie that he wanted to do when he joined us on this episode. So we have a few questions for him. Yeah, we want to give you a chance to get your thoughts in before we berate you. All right, yeah, <laughs> uh, sounds good. Um, so okay, what you can see right here. Why did you pick this movie of all the movies you could have picked? Why this one? Uh, well, in a way, this movie was almost chosen for me. Um, I was having a conversation with Ben about this movie. And he basically said, oh, you should come on Apple Chat and talk about Dodgeball. And I was like, I would love to come on. And um, I was a little hesitant about Dodgeball. There were maybe some other comedies that I, I would have rather done. But I do think Dodgeball is a great movie for this just because it's such a recognizable film. Everyone except Ben apparently has seen this within the last 14 <laughs> years. <laughs> so quotable. And like, I just think it would be a fun one uh, for, for your uh, listeners to listen to, especially because you guys don't really tap into comedies all that much um just over the yeah what is this the 39th episode right yeah uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and i feel like there have been very few comedies so i do think this is a, a good one to kind of um break into that genre yeah i totally agree with that actually yeah um, it's uh it is a kind of a change of pace a lot definitely. of our in fact we even talked about this is like sometimes it's hard to talk about like movies that are universally considered to be just great cinema because it's like what do we really have to add to that yeah. you know um so it but what we have to add to a lot of comedies is like uh, nitpicks and insults <laughs> we'll, 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 we will see um joey get him get him with the next question okay um so Watching this movie again, which part were you looking forward to seeing again, like the most? So it's it's hard for me to kind of 
narrow this down to just one small scene but i do think overall the tournament itself mm. um partially just i think there's some some fun dodgeball being played but a lot of it just cotton and pepper just their their commentary oh of this and just thinking of like actual people on an espn uh televised broadcast making some of the things that they say it just it just to me that there's just so many like one-liners with their back and forth and that uh, that brings like a lot of the quotes in this movie, and oh, I, yeah. I think that 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 was a the part. Just like hearing them again um, Definitely. was what I, I was I, most I looking forward agree. to. For me, it was the uh, the qualifying match with the Girl Scouts. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, so that's, much. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's that's definitely a classic one. Totally Corey, classic. I I want to I definitely support your answer as far as like the tournament itself because the they have to deliver on the premise they're yep. doing they're making a movie about dodgeball so how are you going to make that entertaining that one of the problems with making a movie about sports is that you risk it being predictable right, right. sports mm-hmm. generally have two outcomes you win or you lose so yeah. uh i i think that that's when the movie really kicks it into high gear is when they uh start when the tournament itself gets going yeah yeah definitely definitely and yeah i guess i kind of transition to my next question which is do you consider this a traditional sports movie? And as far as sports movies go, where does this fall in line for you? So I consider this a sports comedy movie. Okay. And uh, I think I was actually having a conversation with a friend about this about a month ago. And we were saying that, yeah, you know, in terms of like the, the all the best sports comedy movies, there are a lot of non-traditional sports movies. <laughs> and uh, to me, I think my, my number one would be Talladega Nights. I'm not a big NASCAR fan personally, but I do think that's a hilarious movie. And I would probably put Dodgeball number two. In terms of overall sports movies, I think Hoosiers is my favorite. Okay. Um, that's a, yeah, from the 80s basketball movie about the 1950s Indiana small high school that uh, won the state championship. And I think that uh, I would, I could probably throw movies like Rudy up there as well, yeah. uh, Miracle definitely I, I really like took the time to think about this there's so <laughs> many like great sports movies out there uh but i think just in terms of the, keeping it with the sports comedy i'm gonna put dodgeball number two just behind talladega nights yeah i totally agree with that actually i, I didn't consider that but the unconditional like unconventional sports uh, make great sports comedy movies so mm-hmm. yeah good stuff like uh what's it that, that um one with ping pong uh balls, yeah, of, balls fury. of fury balls of fury yeah, yeah. That's actually, that's a pretty good trifecta of like funny comedy sports movies. That's, uh, that, and they're all, Blades of Glory is another one you throw up there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a combo, like unconventional sports and comedy. Um, okay. So, uh, that is the, questions we had for you Corey, and we can just kind of move on to just a uh conversation a, a little bit uh at large here um i think dodgeball is a fun take on the underdog story uh like they we have your classic like gang of misfits that have to join together to take on like the big bad like ad- advantaged uh, uh opposition right like they're yeah. they're in this one it's global it's uh globo gym americorp and they (laughs) which is such a great name for like a super gym uh and obviously this gym has more money than them they have better uniforms they're all muscular and have names like laser and blazer like it's it's so it's there's something satisfying to that format of a story uh you know and obviously an underdog story the tone is light the premise is original uh 
with enough potty humor to keep you and your seventh grade friends giggling for years <laughs> over the quotes. Um, but at the same time, I think some of the lowbrow humor either didn't age well or just for me isn't really that funny. Uh, I'll, I'll specifically reference the kamikazes, uh, mm. the one of the dodgeball teams, where this one was just like lazy stereotype comedy. Uh, like they had th- their names were all like uh, various Japanese technology and car brands, which is not only is that like just lazy it's also very unoriginal have you ever seen uh i think it's scary movie three where they have like the kid from the grudge and he's speaking in japanese but like in their subtitles but all you hear him saying is mitsubishi honda you know (laughs) soy sauce like very generic japanese it's just like yeah that always reminds me of those old youtube videos uh how to be ninja do you guys remember them oh yeah right 10 12 years ago yeah yeah, when they're uh, they they do the same thing, just going off like random Japanese phrases and car companies. Right. Um, so it's just like it's yeah. just such, uh, like it's just like bottom shelf comedy. Uh, so I mean, maybe it maybe they were the first ones. I don't know the timeline for who came up with that lazy line of jokes first, but uh, there are times where the the comedy reaches that level where you're like, eh. uh, but at the same time, mm-hmm. there's there's plenty of good execution with lowbrow comedy, especially with uh, jokes re- uh, revolving around uh, balls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I think the um, I think there's enough jokes in here that like a lot of the stuff that doesn't sit well kind of gets covered up by all the stuff that does. So. Well, yeah, and and also some of the stuff that like you can also look at it from the sense of like making the people who say those things look stupid. Uh, right. Like I've always heard, there's like kind of two schools of thought on like really racy topics. Like one of them being like racism, and it's like racism has no place in comedy. Racism is wholly problematic, and I disagree. I think ra- racism has a place in comedy when you make racists look stupid. Right. Uh, and and White Goodman is perfect for making bad behavior looks stupid uh it's a top-notch <laughs> over-the-top performance from ben stiller uh that is super memorable and for my money it's the it's the best aspect of this movie or, or my favorite aspect at least from a character perspective yeah i totally um, agree but there are a litany of wacky supporting characters who uh you know find a way to uh, make you remember them by all being like pretty different uh but also still fitting that uh role as supporting misfit characters uh the 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 ending uh, is twist the way that uh they end up winning it's like a little bit over complicated and kind of a stretch i'm not exactly sure if that's how commanding uh stock works but um the ending is wholesome and it ties up all the loose ends kind of in like a ridiculously efficient way <laughs> that in itself is 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 funny uh yeah. so i i do like it there is a lot of setup and payoff in this movie too there's a lot of stuff where they you know like they talk about how um the the double fault works and so it goes to sudden death and they, they show um uh one of the jokes i think does age super well is the whole uh jared from subway joke where they have um white goodman he shows show him his like he's really really fat and then he goes to the gym and then he, he you know he gets really really well in shape and uh, i feel like that kind of uh that reference to jared from subway actually kind of works better with time makes him look like more of an asshole so well Um, uh also one of my favorite callbacks is because they do have a lot of like setups and payoffs and some that are more easily recognizable than others but one of my favorite was the commercials 
at the beginning of the movie, you're treated oh, yeah. to a Globo Gym commercial, and Vince Vaughn turns off the TV and says, spare me. And the closing credits are a jo- Average Joe's commercial, and you see uh, Ben Stiller turn it off and say, spare me. So I thought that that was, that was good. The, whole, the movie came full circle. Yeah, yeah I really, do like that really as well. There is, there is a nice script to this, and yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. For me, like, I have really fond memories of watching this movie. I mean, it is really funny, and it, has, it does have kind of a heart to it, um, but I feel like there's like this interesting thing that I never noticed before that I was thinking about a lot today. Um, because like, the movie pretends it doesn't want to give you, or doesn't want to take anything seriously. Like, Dodgeball, the sport, is very tongue-in-cheek, as is the channel it airs on, right? ESPN 8, the Ocho, is like making fun of ESPN and all their channels, you know, they have all these ones, whatever. The, the, the people almost uh, never seem to care um, about, like, what they're doing playing the game. I mean, like, the, like the Lumberjacks or, like, those guys that were, like, uh, the urban city guys, right? They were, like, dancing on the court <laughs> and playing. <laughs> Like, it's all about the theatricality more so than it is playing the game. But I feel like be hidden beneath this cynicism is this deep acceptance of something that's fun and exciting. It's a weird, in a weird way, it's like a celebration of nerd culture, I think. Like the announcers, the commissioner, the referee, the dedication to the rules, even like the sudden death balls where they have like the skull and crossbones on it. It just always kind of speaks to this deep love and appreciation for like a really, really silly game. Um, and in the end, it's the passion and dedication that brings Pierre Lafleur's lovable band of misfits to victory, and Pierre Lafleur to his eventual, you know, arc's conclusion. Yeah, and and that's what I I, I kind of want to expand on that too is that it that truly that is pro- like my favorite sequence of the movie. Really, is like when the tournament starts, pretty much till they till the end of it, uh, oh, yeah. because they make the f- game of dodgeball so much fun to watch. Like it's uh, you get to see all these ama- like really hard hits, and they fly back in a way oh, they yeah. never would in real life. Uh, but they also play with the theme of every team. Uh, again. Didn't love the Japanese team or the way that they were portrayed, <laughs> but like the the inner city st- like street dancers who are focusing more on dancing than playing, or <laughs> the the lumberjacks who instead of responding when they're asked if they're ready, they crank their invisible chainsaws and oh, it like yeah. makes a noise. Like that kind of stuff is so funny. Or oh, one of the my favorite jokes was when they hit one of the guys and you you they quickly cut to his like shin and he's like leaning back and you, you hear like. <laughs> And then he's like, Timber! Like, that's how he falls down when he gets hit. Like, that, that, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, it's yeah, such yeah. a good setup. It's comedy that you could never have happen in real life. Like, it's just like only, you can only find things like that in the movies that uh, it's really well executed. And there's a lot of that in the, in the dodgeball, actual, like, playing the sport scenes. Yeah. And, and the guy who directed this movie, Ross Sean Marshall, uh, he's been, uh, He's been doing like a lot of uh, action stuff now. He did Skyscraper, that one with um, Wayne Rock Johnson. Um, oh, nice. So he's okay. he, like he kind of has this uh, background from this movie in like doing like action scenes. And I mean, this this movie is full of those, and they're all really good. Like the quick cuts showing them touching the walls, like the balls, like in the middle, and then like going to it. They kind of show like the they show you what's going on, but they do it in like this way that makes you kind of feel the chaos of being in a dodgeball field. So I don't know. It's it's really really well done, and I really like the action and like the way it's shot and everything. I think the editing and directing is excellent for all that stuff. Um, for okay, so back to what I was talking about 
about like the celebrating nerd culture. Like they're never they never stray away from saying this is so silly and this is so ridiculous. Like there's all this stuff like like you know grab life by the balls and all this stuff, right? But they um they say oh it's okay but it's okay it's okay to love the weird and the out there as long as you love it fully. Like you can still poke fun of it and make you know make jokes about it as long as it's it, like that sarcasm kind of gives way to sincerity. So, I, I don't know, I, I kind of really like that. You know, I, instead of this being kind of a, a cynical take on like, oh, look how silly these people are, and look how much they care about something. It's, it's more like, the more you care about this, the, like, the better off you're going to be, and like, the more fun you can have in your life. So, you know, everyone kind of dismisses dodgeball out, outright, but in the end, it's the thing that saves everyone. So, I like that a lot. I mean, does that, does that fit into the uh, pirate kind of uh steve the pirate character because that was one of the things that i didn't feel came across very clear at least to me was joe the i'm sorry uh steve the pirate's realization (laughs) that he's not a pirate but also being encouraged to still be a a pirate and then instantly becoming a pirate again like uh, but i'm kind of hearing echoes of your sentiment in in Mm. that whole thing where he's like okay i'm not a pirate but also, I just love being a pirate, so I'm I'm just gonna do it, and the people that love me will accept me either way. Yeah, well, I don't, it's like this this whole idea, of, like the whole philosophy behind uh, Globo Gym versus Average Joe's. Globo Gym is like all about aggressive self-loathing, and they're trying to make everyone kind of look the same, right? Whereas Average Joe's is like it's okay if you if you're weird, right? It's okay if you're you don't look like everyone else as long as you're okay with. It. Um, so. I don't know. I feel like that kind of reflects that in a way. Although I, I agree, like it felt like them getting rid of Steve the pirate and then having him come back at the end was just for the jokes that followed around that, which are some of the funniest in the movie. But they don't really fit the story that well, right? So, what do you think, Corey? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Steve the pirate character. I think overall, just all of the the you know people who go to Average Joe's gym, they all have their little quirk about them. Uh, I do think with the whole Steve the Pirate thing, that was you know, kind of the, you know, he he's told he's not a pirate. All of a sudden, he starts questioning himself. He's like, you're right. I'm just a normal guy. But then in the end, he has this, no, I really like being a pirate. And, you know, with the, uh, who am I going to share all this pot of gold with? Uh, yeah. so, or treasure treasure chest. Yeah, yeah treasure and, chest. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that I think that that really uh, kind of comes together with him and his uh, character well. Uh, I mean, just like really with all the the little side characters i do think that they kind of you know they they really add to the movie having their little thing with like um gordon and his his uh ma- internet mail ordered wife <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just th- things like that yeah um, that was that was a good arc and so was like justin yeah. long's character right like yeah just to, like, like the nerdy high schooler who just right. really wants to be on a the cheerleading team so oh, did you cool. did you catch that he was a um uh he like was the one that convinced everyone to play dodgeball or like convinced everyone to like rally around average joes and like save the gym he was the one that like convinced everyone peter was like yeah and eh, yeah. whatever but he was yeah. like he was literally a cheerleader he literally motivated everyone oh to my god oh, wow actually i never <laughs> thought of that you're right wow yeah, that was cool i i yeah like you're right all the little like side characters make this movie so great i mean the i think the movie like is held up by white goodman's atlas uh holding up a global gym but he that's funny is, <laughs> but everyone else um, like all the little side characters, like you were saying, really make this movie memorable and like make this movie, like send this movie into like greatness. The only exception to this, I think, is Peter LaFleur. I feel like Vincent Vaughn's 
nonchalant acting is really distracting. And I, I didn't really like his character at all just because it felt like he totally deserved the situation that he was in and that he like only got out of it by the skin of his teeth. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, maybe he did learn an important lesson at the end and maybe that is satisfying, but you don't see any, uh, you don't see much change in his demeanor or like his actions. So I don't know. I, he's kind of too cool for school, even yeah. though he's like failing at school. Exactly. Like which is why, which supports my whole like acceptance of nerd culture thing. Like, you think he's too cool to do anything, right? And then he's like a loser. So yeah, I I do want to dive a little bit deeper into him. And if we if we if we keep circling it, maybe we can talk about it here. But I do have something about uh, that kind of uh, the, the two lead men in this movie a little bit later. But I do want to uh, keep this moving and get uh, kind of into Corey's overall section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I. You know, this is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I think it's a hilarious movie. And I think I'm the only one, uh, I guess I'm not totally sure about Ben's take, but it sounds like I might be the only one who really do loves a, uh, Vince Vaughn's character in this movie. And I think, yeah, you're right. He doesn't have that like same kind of funny character. He does, you know, he's the, the lazy guy who doesn't really do much to get himself out of the position he's in. But I do think that having that kind of character, you know, the kind of person who can have that, uh, you know, create a, a funny atmosphere with the rest of his cast without mm. necessarily being the, the laugh out loud humor guy himself is like a really key part of this movie. Because if you throw in a guy like Will Ferrell or, um, Sasha Baron Cohen or just someone to just play like a ridiculous role in the lead role with all the other ridiculous characters I think that was would really kind of take this movie down because you're like all right this is just a total joke but I do think that Vince Vaughn kind of brings everything together and just having that kind of serious side with all the the comedy being around him yeah I so, totally agree with that actually because yeah, he, so he is the straight man right yes yes and, yes. and, and that, 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 that's and what I really like, the, like about him He's the par. He's the uh, the barometer that you measure everybody else against. And yep. so the more ridiculous everyone else is, you know, this, the more serious and straightforward he is. Yeah, I agree that like it is important to have a straight man like like he plays in this movie. But I feel like his, I never really cared about what he cared about. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with that. Like I said, I think he has a lot of flaws, but I still found myself liking him and, you know, rooting for him You know, throughout that. He's going to, you know, he, he was the best first or second best player on their dodgeball team so right. <laughs> uh, you know he's, he's very integral in that and then you know ultimately with the ending um him you know ultimately yes. making the the great decision that he did um that's, that's right and on, on the flip side white goodman he's hilarious i'm not going to deny that i think he is the perfect character for what dodgeball sets out to be and that's just this hilarious comedy that you know people are gonna love watching for years to come but i do think that him as a villain is, you know, maybe this is a little uh, over the top take on it, mm -hmm. but I do think that him as a villain is kind of what holds this movie back from being great just because he doesn't, he's not like that interesting of a character. He delivers some funny one-liners. He, he, you know, obviously is someone that you're going to root against the whole movie. And I don't necessarily think that was is what makes a great villain because he's just not a very complicated character. doesn't have a whole lot of redeeming qualities. To me, I think you can describe White as a guy who just really cares about his physique and thinks he's better than everyone else because of it. And 
you know, his number one goal is to destroy Average Joe's gym. Like, he, he just doesn't want them. Like, I don't even know why he considers that a rival. There's literally six <laughs> people that go to the gym, and he has this million-dollar company. Um, he needs an gym. auxiliary parking lot. They're just a, they're just an <laughs> uh, obstruction. Yeah, I, I no, don't I, know. And I, I, I agree with you, Corey. Like, he is it, melodramatic. Like, they go out yes. of their way to make you hate him. Like, yeah, every and that's, single that's my thing, thing is, you like, see him do I know some people love disgusting. him, but I just, I hate him so much. It's like his dark past. Oh, he, he went from being super fat and just lost 600 pounds going to the gym. Which to me that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, but. well, he went to the gym and he also underwent massive yeah, uh, surgery. You're right, you're apparently, right. <laughs> they, they yeah, kind of glaze he... over the fact that Globo Gym AmeriCorp is a gym, but also a place to get like v- invasive surgery done. That's where right. You, yeah, you well, end like up in being the, in a in total body cast. Yeah, exactly. They show a guy in the commercial. It's like just stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I, I think hey, look, you know what he. He has to be in the story, like with the having to have a villain. I think he's a great villain for this movie, and he has his his fair share of humor throughout the film. But I think that that lack of complexity and relatability to just like a general audience member, no one has any sympathy watching this guy. And I think yeah. that's a, a big thing that you know kind of prevents Dodgeball from being anything more than just a goofball comedy that capitalizes off one liners and laugh out loud moments. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. He doesn't have any complexity. I mean, he doesn't. He's nothing about him is sim- sympathetic, which is different than a lot of villains you're seeing today, where they go out of their way to make them seem like, you know, they're regular people. They just kind of went off the wrong path. They just kind of have some twisted ideas in their head. Yep. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of mo- modern villains that are very sympathetic, and White Goodman is definitely not. But you're right. He fits in this movie perfectly because yep. th- this whole movie is like based on this, you know, underdog story, true underdog story, right? And the happy ending and everything. You have to have a villain that you hate the whole time in order for that to work. So mm-hmm. he's yeah, I, yeah. he's he's opposition simplified. Everything yeah. he does pits him against everyone you could have remotely like in this movie. Uh, like it, so, and he's there's no confusion about it at all. Well, yeah. I think that he has to be as bad as he is for you to at least for me to have any sort of sympathy for Peter because I already don't like Peter very much, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> at least I, he's better than this. Guy. Yeah. Like white <laughs> is clearly a worse person. So, uh, we have some of that. Yeah. I, I, um, okay. I, I, we've spent a lot of time on this. Let's let it marinate, uh, because we're going to return to Peter LaFleur versus white Goodman, uh, at the end. So let's, let's keep this moving. I okay. believe that you, uh, you, you, you said he capitalizes on some quotes, Corey. Yeah, oh, he does. And uh, as much as I, I like did kind of knock down White Goodman, I still think he's hilarious. I wrote down a few. Uh, in some cultures, they only eat vomit. I've never been there, but I read about it in a book. Yeah. Just like some of the things he says to try to impress Kate. Like when he, he's walking down the stairs like, oh, Kate, I didn't know you were coming. And he's holding a dictionary. And she's like, are you reading the dictionary? He's like, oh, you caught me. I like to break a mental sweat too. <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> saying saying that you like to break a mental sweat is yeah. the most like fitness guru thing to freaking say ever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, 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 oh my gosh. Donde esta la biblioteca, Pedro? We're opening up a new Globo gym in Mexico City, so I've been boning up on my Spanish. <laughs> like, like, things like that. Like uh yeah you know, there's there's more stuff that he says uh that we can kind of get into a little bit later but just like you know what he, he's a funny character he's not the you know the complex villain that you have in great movies and to me that's just what makes this a 70 percent on rotten tomatoes instead of you know maybe higher than that 
Okay. So okay. Again, we will return to that. I uh, I I I like the opposing viewpoints here, and we will uh, we'll, we'll dive deeper into it. But for now, let's look at some cool Easter eggs, Joey. Okay. So uh, this first one's really quick. Uh, Christine Taylor, who plays Kate, and Jason Bateman, who plays the announcer uh, Pepper. Uh, they were both on Arrested Development together, and I really like Arrested Development. So I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, and um, Jason Bateman's such a such a like amazing actor and to have this role like such a minor role but he performs it so well <laughs> he does yeah, such a good job i wish he did more like strange stuff like this i feel like jason bateman is typecast in all of his stuff where he's a secret asshole that's like his thing like you th- when you first meet him you think he's great and then you learn that he's actually really awful that's like all of his, I think all his movies and TV i think shows. it's a good good uh <laughs> yeah i said it's a good description for him but i I didn't even realize that it was Jason Bateman until a few years ago. Yeah. You know, it, it was just never something that would cross my mind. That but he's still one of the most iconic part of this, parts of this movie, too. Like, yeah, he's, he's one of the most quotable yeah, guys. Yeah, he, he kills it. So. Well, also, Christine Taylor uh, at the time was married to Ben Stiller, right? Was she? Uh, yeah, she was Ooh. married 2000 to 2017. Wow. So wow. She was. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's that makes those all those sexual harassment things a little bit better. <laughs> well, it, it makes the ones from Ben Stiller funnier. It makes the ones yeah. from Vince Vaughn not better or worse, just no. still bad. Um, <laughs> okay, Joey, give us some more Easter eggs here. Did you guys see any of the uh, the signs that were hanging up in Average Joe's, like in the background, like motivational signs? Yeah, some of these I do recognize, but I, I think I missed a lot of them. Um, I, there are, there's only uh, four that I I noticed, but I think there were more. One of them said failure. Failure is an option. Another one said, uh, weakness translates into potential for improvement. I really like this one because it doesn't even try to like rhyme or make it clever. It's just like <laughs> weakness translates into potential for improvement. Like, what does that mean? No pain, no blame. <laughs> That's a good one. And my favorite one is, uh, if you don't reach your goal today, there's always tomorrow. Wow, these are nice, and they're very fitting <laughs> wow. with the yeah. uh, with the attitude. <laughs> the back, of, yeah, nature. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so also the, such a uh, contradiction to what's going on across the street, where they literally have uh, freaking White Goodman on video. They're like, "You call that a sit up?" Call people by name. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Uh, um, okay, the last last little um, Easter egg I have is uh, I looked up. Um, obscure sports uh, quarterly because I really wanted to subscribe to that magazine. It sounded amazing, uh, but I could not find it. I did find something called obscuresportmag.com, which hasn't updated their site since 2014, so they're kind of out of there. But um, they did have some interesting uh, articles on there, and some so they used to have a Twitter. Apparently, they had a a picture of a 600 cup beer pong game. Wow, which was uh looked amazing. So um I, I yeah. OSQ is one of my is another like gem from this movie. It's it's one of the ones that I didn't hear much about, uh, having not seen this movie for a long like, you know, until recently. And it's uh, it's it's one it's like my, it's basically part of the personality of uh, what's his name there with yeah, the Gordon with Gordon, yeah. Because <laughs> the first thing you you see him do at the gym is he asks Peter if he watched the game last night, and it was <laughs> amateur uh, curling. Curling, yeah. Dude, I would love to watch amateur curling. I love curling. <laughs> it's uh. It, it, it's a, it's a hilarious and, and memorable uh, aspect of his personality Definitely. that I think is worth appreciating. Yes. Uh, Corey, okay, so I think you have some uh, some other ones for uh, us in here. Yeah, I guess I don't know if they're technically Easter eggs, 
Um, I guess pivoting off the signs. So they do say who the tournament sponsors are later in the film, Lumber Liquidators and Omaha Steaks. But I, I just thought it was kind of funny when I noticed that at first because I, f- I don't know anymore, but I feel like every stadium that I've been to like in the 2000s had lumber liquidator signs in you know, like on, somewhere in the stadium so totally i just feel like they're, that they're they would... a generic sponsor for like any kind of sports team yeah the, um, the thing that yeah. makes this unrealistic this movie unrealistic is there, there wasn't outrageous amounts of ads inside of that sports arena uh, <laughs> yeah. that's like that's the thing though if you ever go to a, a a real sporting event um like a professional sporting event it is littered with ads everywhere it, it's actually kind of disgusting like i went to uh the where the redskins play uh play football and uh with a friend of mine who doesn't watch sports very much and the, that was the first thing he said when he walked in here he was like oh my god like there are <laughs> billboards inside of that stadium that are as big as the jumbotron but it's just <laughs> an ad and it's like and i know that they they kind of they poke fun at it here uh but they actually had a nicer venue because had less ads (laughs) yeah so another one uh i guess is more of a i guess just a cameo which there are a few of them but i thought it was pretty funny how the uh team blitzkrieg so the first team that average joe's knocks off their coach is david hasselhoff and after they (laughs) oh it was it was so much better that they didn't reveal him until after because Uh they had a picture of him that they all did like the like the like one two three like hoff together uh before which in itself is funny it's like oh they had that picture of david hasselhoff when they lose they're being reprimanded by david hasselhoff himself like that was a really good he's so disappointed (laughs) (laughs) that was great that was really great (laughs) yeah and then the last one i have so uh when they're watching the urban american institutional films video uh early on there wait was it uh urban american or was it uber american oh uber american you're right i I wrote yep uber american institutional films uh so the the narrator uh as he he's coming in you have this little boy uh painting a fence he's like hey timmy he's like oh you startled me mister he's like how would you like to take a break from this fine lead-based paint and like (laughs) you know this movie's supposed to take place in the 1950s i just think it's kind of funny yeah yeah, yeah, and they, they have the uh, the opium den and stuff. Yeah, they have those old Chinese guys <laughs> smoking opium. It's like you're in an opium den, Timmy. And he's yeah, like, th- he's smoking <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Well, yeah, they're, they're poking fun of the things that are like used to be okay and now definitely aren't. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Well, actually, my question is, why was that like a German film? Nothing else seemed like German about it except for the name. I, the only thing I can think of is the was the thing at the end where uh, Patches of Hands like, um, oh wait wait what does he say at the beginning? He says uh, dodgeball is a sport of violence, exclusion, and degradation. <laughs> <laughs> and he like says don't make sure you um yeah make sure you pick the biggest and strongest kids for your team so you can beat up the little kids like Winston here right? And yeah, he pegs yeah, us they, in the face. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that's him. like a that's like a very uh subtle nazi reference of like pick the biggest and strongest kids for your team and then beat up on the little kids i don't know maybe i'm stretching there mm. yeah I, I i do i do feel like it's a little bit of a stretch I, it felt like a setup for a joke that i didn't ever hear the punchline for um but i did like the uh the guy that they got to play patches O'Houlihan, young patches O'Houlihan. like that uh the picture of him like his his like baseball card like pose is, like <laughs> so, it looks so legit like he's in like that squatting position you know like it's i bet if they had dodgeball 
cards. That's exactly what it would look like. But the, I mean, the whole joke is that like Timmy recognizes him. Even though <laughs> all he is is a dodgeball player, and it's like the super obscure sport. sport. <laughs> yeah, Touch is a hula head. Do you guys know who the young actor is? No, yeah, he's the guy from The Simpsons. It's Hank Azaria. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Which, once you know that, you can kind of hear uh, the Simpsons in his voice. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he does Mo Sislak, and you get a tiny, there's like a yeah, little, I was gonna say, you a little get a taste little bit of, of Mo Sislak in, uh, in Patches O'Houlihan. Uh, yeah. that I, I, but I didn't notice that until after I looked at the, ca- uh, the, the name. Yeah. So. But uh, okay, so those are some pretty neat Easter eggs. Uh, next, we're going to get some quotable moments in here. So I think, Joey, you've got our first one. All right, Captain, shake hands, and let's have a clean match. Come on, boy. Cram it up your cram hole on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is just a useful phrase, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't make a lot of sense. Cram <laughs> your grandma on the floor. I I actually am a really big fan of uh, White Goodman's wordplay in this. Oh movie. my gosh, there's so much good stuff. It's it's he is bad and good at it at the same time. Uh, he like tries so hard to say things that that'll that'll really have a leave an impact when like they when they're heard, especially when he's trying to intimidate Peter. Uh, and they just come across as hilarious, whether they're good or not. Like when they're good, they're great, and when they're bad, they're just awful. And it's 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 good comedy. It is. It's so perfect. Like he's That's got uh yeah like <laughs> I don't remember the whole lines, but when he's talking like um. Like I've got like my gym is worth over four million dollars. I've got shareholders. You don't even have cup holders. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, my gym is my gym is a benchmark. Uh, and like your gym is a skid mark on the underpants, <laughs> underpants of society. society. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so it's terrible, but it's also it's great. And it's de- it delivered great. in such a serious way. Like he really thinks he's given it to you, and he delivers these lines. It's great. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, um, my next one um, is another quality line from White Goodman. In fact, that is a really interesting painting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's me taking the bull by the horns. That's how I handle my business. It's a metaphor. I get it. But that actually happened, though. <laughs> I feel like he says. I think he does say this kind of twice, but um. He, it's just hilarious. Like he, like he knows it's a metaphor, but then he doesn't want to ever lose any sort of like credibility. You know, he's like, it's a yeah. me- like, <laughs> like I'm trying to grab every little ounce of like manliness I can yeah. out of this at this moment. Um, like yeah, like you know, this just badass painting is like just a metaphor for how I do things, and like I'm I'm really deep like that. But it actually also happened. Like <laughs> like he's. He's going back and revising history to make it look worse for himself because it looks like he's not as creative as he first said he was. I don't know. It's just, it's brilliant. I love it. And he's so oblivious too. He thinks that it works. He's like, I, I got both. Like yeah, he's changing his strategy constantly. Like, you know, he's like, this didn't work. Okay. Now try this. Now try this. You know, <laughs> actually, I, I think this is kind of a hilarious thing. Cause I wonder if Ben Stiller uh, or anybody related to this movie still has that painting. 
Uh, I wonder that too. I wonder about Ooh, yeah, all those. That's a good question. Well, giant because paintings of people. Well, my brother was uh, he did the high school plays like all four years in high school, and one of the years they did the Beauty and the Beast, and the, you know the iconic song like No One Did like Gaston da, 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 like Gaston yeah mm-hmm. song that they all sing it basically glorifying the macho man Gaston. Uh, they're in a bar where they have a portrait of Gaston, a huge portrait hanging above the bar and to make it authentic, to make the play make sense, they got the art teacher to paint a portrait of my brother that's just huge. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they let him keep it. So at my at my parents' house right now, we have this really big hand-painted portrait of my brother in 10th grade that's as awesome. Gaston. So, so he looks cool. like a, he's like, look, he's got like the macho man pose, like holding his fist in his hand and like flexing his bicep. It's, uh, it's great. I, this reminds Reminded me of that. I really want that, but I can't like. You can't ask for a reason. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) it has to happen organically. Um, But uh, okay, on to the next quote, and this one is the the one I picked. Well, I I, I don't know what to tell you, but yes, no, I'm being told that average Joe's does not have enough players and will be forfeiting the championship match. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. This might be the best line in the movie. It is. It's my favorite line in the whole movie. It's so deadpan delivered. So like so built up with all this ridiculous commentating we've had to endure up until this point and it kind of is for me the climax of the joke of these two commentators uh and it's and it's a line that will i think survive longer than any other like line from this movie when you quote it's a bull strategy cotton everyone knows exactly what you're referring to yeah, oh, this, yeah, this is definitely a quote that is going to survive the test of time because this is this is the quote that I would say is my reason why I think this movie is so overquoted because this is the one that people will find any way to uh, plug this one in. Oh, yeah. um, I've actually, kind of brings- I've never heard it re- like referenced correctly though because hmm. it has to be. Well, I guess maybe I've never. I, I probably have heard mm. it referenced correctly, but it the, it the whole point is that the the strategy is. The opposite of a strategy. It literally means like, th- like essentially, they've given up. That's a bold strategy. Like, it, 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 I don't know. It's 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 impossible to top the way they delivered it. I, I think it's just hands yeah. down my favorite quote. I, I love I love the commentators. I love how like there's like a history between them. Like they've been doing it together for years, and the one guy's like a super professional. And I love his one line where he says, "Um, like what's it? Uh, we haven't seen something like this since." The match in Helsinki from 1919. I think we all remember how that turned out. (laughs) You don't have to say anything about it other than it's just so infamous in the dodgeball community (laughs) that they would all know what it is. Well, also, I I knew I I was like, I recognize that guy. Where is he from? Where do I know him? And he's from Office Space. The the more serious commentator is the boss from Office Space who's who's famous for being featured in the meme where he's like, if you could that so-and-so, that'd be great. Like, (laughs) being a passive uh kind of uh uh, not not passive what am i trying to say here it's the uh, passive aggressive passive aggressive boss yeah um so but yeah i love that quote and i'm it it killed me this time just like it it does every time (laughs) so Corey, i think you've got our our next quote yes and uh i think it's the longest of the three but here we go i get a bottle of water Aren't you Peter Lafleur? 
Lance Armstrong? Yeah, that's me. But I'm a big fan of yours. Really? Yeah, I've been watching the dodgeball tournament on the Ocho. BSPN 8. I just can't get enough of it. But good luck in the tournament. I'm really pulling for you against those jerks from Globo Gym. I think you better hurry up or you're gonna be late. Uh, actually, I decided to quit. Lance. Quit? You know, once I was thinking about quitting when I was diagnosed with brain, lung, and testicular cancer all at the same time. But with the love and support of my friends and family, I got back on the bike and I won the Tour de France five times in a row. But I'm sure you have a good reason to quit. So what are you dying from that's keeping you from the finals? Right now feels a little bit like shame. Well, I guess if a person never quit when the going got tough, they wouldn't have anything to regret for the rest of their life. But good luck to you, Peter. I'm sure this decision won't haunt you forever. And the reason why I went with this is I think, you know, this is ultimately what convinces Peter to show up to the final match and leads to the average Joe's victory over Globo Jim. But I also do think that this is a great case of this film not aging well because at the time, Lance Armstrong is a superstar. The fact that he did the Tour de France, he was riding a bike for 21 days and people love this guy because of his story with him uh, conquering cancer like he mentioned having brain lung and testicular cancer all at the same time and he was a legend of course uh, all of the performance enhancing drugs and the blood doping allegations come into play and uh, he has since kind of gone down in uh, society's view of him but I just I do think that you know just throwing in that whole aspect of it just makes this all around a fantastic quote from this movie yeah, it's Definitely. it's an important thing to remember when you watch this movie is is well, I guess there's an important aspect to maybe uh observe is when you put a very in, like when you use a cameo to forward the plot, you risk a lot on like the uh the reputation of your uh the person that is doing the cameo, which a lot of times I feel like is a low risk thing to do. Most cameos are just famous actors. But when you bring somebody like Lance Armstrong, who even then it felt like a really safe choice. Yeah. Um, no, nobody <laughs> thought that anything would happen to him. It's just like now when people are watching this movie, it's obviously gonna take them out of the moment, even beyond what a cameo already does. Um, uh, to when they think about all the scandal and, and just the reputation around Lance Armstrong. Although I'd be interested uh, to see if people actually remember. Like Livestrong, I think, m- probably sticks out more in your head than maybe exactly what Lance Armstrong did wrong. Um, although I definitely know what he did, and I actually don't think he's a bad person for doing it. Yeah, okay, so I have a lot to say about this, actually. And this is I was going to save this topic for later, but I think this is a perfect time to talk about okay. it. So, like, um, I, I was a huge Lance Armstrong fan. I don't watch sports very much as you guys know. I know. I know this I, very well. <laughs> I would watch the Tour de France every single year with my dad. And I watched like, every, I would sit there and watch like three hours of cycling every day. Um, and I, I mean, Lance Armstrong was awesome. He was a huge, huge guy. And I mean, even after this movie came out, like you're saying it didn't age well, like he won two more Tour de France's after this. So he's, him saying he won the Tour de France five times in a row isn't even accurate because he actually won it seven times in a row. Well, at the um, time, it was only five times Right, at the time the movie came out, it was only five. So yeah. Um, but uh, what I think is interesting about this, well, first of all, this is like a perfect cameo. Like this is a cameo done right as opposed to like uh, the Chuck Norris cameo later because the Chuck Norris cameo is like, oh, he's a famous person that I recognize. This is like, Lance Armstrong telling his story in the movie to motivate a character to do his thing. And it's like, 
it's like so pivotal for the movie too that it's just uh it's crazy but yeah to, to kind of uh piggyback up what you're saying about Livestrong, i what I, the topic i want to talk about is does your good deeds outweigh your bad behavior because i think there's another character in this movie that also does some bad has bad behavior but also does some good deeds namely Peter white Le- goodman oh really yeah he creates a gym right a gym where, he, where it's to help people. I mean, admittedly, it's to make people feel bad, but it's, it is a gym that people go there to become better people. That's what gyms are for. You know, like, and, and not only that, once he is fired and loses the company, who takes over but Average Joe's? And Average Joe's was going under anyway. White Goodman saves Average Joe's and transforms this gym, like, creates the frame for it, work for a national gym that's all about self-acceptance and stuff. Like, <laughs> does White Goodman's actions actually outweigh his bad behavior? He actually ends up doing more good than bad, I would argue. I disagree with that because that wasn't his intention. He was okay. trying... I know it was an effect of his, his bad deeds, but right. I don't think that his reasoning for, uh, you know... Like, he didn't intentionally lose that dodgeball match. He didn't intend to sell Peter $100,000 so he can buy him out. Um, so I, I, I do understand the concept, but I don't, I don't think uh, we can say that White Goodman is a good guy because he helped make Average Joe's, a, a, you know, the, the nationally recognized gym that it is because he didn't intend to do that. That wasn't yeah, something I, he was I happy see that. I know doing. I'm twisting the movie around here, but I do see that he is... But I'm, I'm looking at like the, the net effect here. And yeah, he doesn't intend to do it, but he accidentally ends up doing something great. I mean, I feel like, to, to kinda, like Lance Armstrong is kind of the opposite camp, where he seems like a good person and then he did something terrible, which is he cheated mm-hmm. in the game. And then, you know, but he, in the process, he created the Livestrong Foundation, which I looked up, raised over $500 million for charity for, wow. for cancer. And like, even after this whole thing came out and everything, he still talks to people on the phone who are diagnosed with cancer he like he'll like call you up and say hey i'm lance armstrong and like what are you going through i went through something similar and he like be your like a counselor for people or like someone to talk to who are going through similar trials that he went through like it's crazy that like he like he fell from grace so hard because of these these cheating out like because he cheated um but like his life almost has a net positive like gain to it like like how do you judge someone like that well uh, well part of it i think that there's also like an asterisk beside like his misdeeds because yeah he cheated uh but everyone cheated yeah it was like 80 mm-hmm. percent of the field I'm, yeah, yeah I mean, when they when they stripped him of his titles didn't they have to give it to the team that came in like 22nd or something i don't know but yeah it's something like that because everyone was doping but he was just better at it and and I, it, <laughs> yes actually i have a quote about that this is from Wikipedia. Says, the mo- this is the most sophisticated, professionalized, and successful doping program the sport has ever seen. So <laughs> yes. even, he even does that better than everyone else. Yeah. Exactly. And, and actually, wow. that's my point with Lance Armstrong. And this is, has nothing to do with Dodgeball, the movie. But Lance Armstrong gets uh, looked at as like this cheater, this bad person, the Oprah Winfrey confession, all that drama. Mm. I, I think that's all just media hype. You, If you look at his competition, everyone was doping. And doping isn't easy. It's not like taking a pill and suddenly you're the best biker in the world. You have to take your blood out and then secretly put it back in your body in the middle of the race. That's not easy. Like, no. and, and, and 
But like how <laughs> hard it is, how too, hard it is to cheat. Was blood doping too? Well, listen, like how hard it is to cheat doesn't matter. It's still cheating. But if everyone else is cheating, then you, it's just called competing. <laughs> yeah, I think Bill Burr has a, a quote from one of his comedy specials, like, our roided up guy beat your roided up guy. <laughs> so like, yeah. yeah, I mean, he was the best at it. And I, I do agree. I think Lance Armstrong has done so much great stuff. And, you know, he cheated in a sport. Everyone cheats. I don't think that he should be looked at as a bad guy because of that. Right. And, and like, um, I, I felt when when he came up obviously you're like oh it's lance armstrong the tour de france winner but also more recently the tour de france like cheater um mm-hmm. but uh I'll, I'll liken this to when we watched the movie seven starring brad pitt and morgan freeman when uh, kevin's uh me too spacey showed up that you're like whoa okay now here's a truly terrible guy who would not be in this movie right now if they made it today okay uh, lance armstrong probably wouldn't also be in dodgeball doing this same no. thing if they made it today but i don't it's not nearly the same thing it's it's right. it's uh one is more of like scandal and the media portrayal and and the other one is like a truly bad person so i i when he was in this i still think that he fulfills the role of the movie especially when you think about you know how dated it is anyways yeah yeah, yeah i thought about that i was like trying to think of who it, who it could possibly be if they did in 2018 and i i don't know i think that lance armstrong was perfect at the time and uh, you know, it's, it, I think it's a good thing that they made this movie when they did, because I think he was a, a great, great inspiration for Peter and just the, the, the yeah. whole like, I beat cancer and won the Tour de France five times. <laughs> what are you dying from? That's keeping you from playing a dogball game. I love that so much. Yeah, <laughs> how can he so, not return? He's so cool about it, you know? Yeah, he's just right? like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I understand. <laughs> and it's an important part of Peter's development because he finally decides to do something, take a risk. Uh, and it pays off for him. Um, but like to, to bring it back to, um, well, actually, no, let's, 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 let's pull all the way back here, uh, and take a look at a list that Corey compiled for us. (laughs) Yes. Um, so, you know, with this, this movie, there's just so many quotable one-liners that some of them you, you can find way to use in, uh, just daily conversation and, I think that that's one of the big things about this movie is just how quotable it is. So I came up with a top 10 one-liners list. So at number 10, I have Owen with, who's Steve the Pirate? And I don't know if that's necessarily one you could throw in elsewhere, but I think at the time when they're talking about who's Steve the Pirate, how do you not know who the, the pirate guy <laughs> in your team is? Um, number nine. Uh, the whole, oops, yeah, the whole sorry. pirates. I'm yeah. sorry. The whole pirate yeah. thing is hysterical. I don't want to yes. interrupt you for every single one of these, but yeah, uh, I, that's one of my favorite jokes in this whole movie. Yeah, number nine, I have uh, Pepper, and he has a, a few quotes on this list. And uh, when Cotton makes a, a menage a trois reference, he responds with, usually you pay double for that kind of action, Cotton. Just like things like that, like imagining someone actually saying that on ESPN. Uh, <laughs> number eight, my only Peter quote, uh, after they were, they were talking about ways to, to raise the $50,000, uh, they, they mentioned donating blood and semen, and they decided to play dodgeball, and Peter responds with, you had me at blood and semen. It was just like a kind of throwing back, and that, that's one that I don't think I would ever actually find a use to say in real life, but I do think that was just a, a classic like Peter line in this movie where it's not necessarily intended to be humorous, but it, it does kind of give that, that vibe. Are you kidding? I say that like every other day. 
<laughs> number seven i have cotton with do you believe in unlikelihoods uh, of course i play on al michaels do you believe in miracles like, yes. who would say that? No, it's such, a, such a mouthful like oh it's yeah. so funny that's a good one yeah uh number six after a player was uh hit in the midsection pepper comes back with ouch town population you bro that's just <laughs> one of the the classic pepper lines they just kind of like really shows his character saying bro um <laughs> number five i have patches and this is one that uh this is one of my favorite quotes in the line or in this movie i think it's like super funny uh is it necessary for me to drink my own urine no but i do it anyway because it's sterile and i like the taste <laughs> just like that just really describes you patches it's just like you know yeah why would i do this oh well, and like that isn't an answer to is it really necessary to throw wrenches at us yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um yeah. it really is a uh like he's such a like set in his ways oldster to like the craziest extremes where he does all these things and it's like i guess he gets away with it because he's old but like we gotta draw the line somewhere like yeah. this i think might be the most <laughs> ridiculous thing he does but he has a lot of weird habits oh yeah yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. he's definitely a strange guy um number four i have white goodman uh, so after being denied an advance on Kate, she uh, slams him into the house and uh, he he gets a little roughed up from it and responds with, nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is a classic. Uh, in number three, I have another white quote, balmy blazer. Uh, I know, Ben, you didn't like it with your soccer uh, teammates i heard it enough it's that, a good line it's a good yeah, line. I think, I think it's, it's just like anytime the balls are in play like you can you can throw that one out there i think that's a one that'll stand the test of time now number two i know this is your favorite ben but it's pepper with it's a bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays off for him yes. and my big reason for putting this number two is like i said i just think that this is the most overquoted line so it kind of takes it down for me and then number one patches i think it's the most iconic line in this movie if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball which just a wild <laughs> thought <laughs> he's gonna start chucking wrenches at at the the players and uh every time they're hit they just go down in pain uh, but i i do think it's oh, one so of those funny. those classic movies like anytime dodgeball comes to play someone is gonna make this comment so oh, yeah, yeah um, and and while i personally still have the bulk strategy quote at the top of my list i respect this being the top of yours Corey, because when this movie came out this line probably got like 50 percent of the people in the door they like oh, the, yeah. the commercials definitely played up the like a dodgeball but more like wacky and ridiculous uh with like the if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball like what and like if you can dodge traffic which which yeah actually i kind of want to play that up the, the whole patches uh being their mentor and be, kind of being the reason why they win even though it, they, he really adds nothing to their game i, I really like that aspect because they they went from not like losing to girl scouts to having a reasonable way of winning and then when they take him away it adds a lot more drama to be like oh what are they going to do now so i think that that yeah. part of the the plot structure works really well um, and that was, that's from my favorite quotes is uh that perfect irony thing he says uh as long as we've got patches we have a shot and then immediately he's, he's killed <laughs> Dead, <yeah. laughs> and then one of my favorite lines from this whole movie is, is from owen it says uh well it's probably the way he would have wanted to go <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and Dwight uh, responds to, what? <laughs> I just hope someone says that about me when I die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that was a great list, Corey. You're a quality <laughs> guest for bringing stu- like a, a, a quality list like that on here. Yes. Uh, quality all around. Um, okay, but as we move forward, I know we kind of dipped into it, but Joey, I think you know what time it is. Yes, it's time for us to go a little deeper. deeper, deeper. All right, so we've already kind of touched on this, but um, this was basically my biggest takeaway from this movie. Every time I finish these movies, I, while the credits play, I just write down whatever I can think of immediately, try to get the most the, the raw reaction to the movie. And for me, the, the, the thing that stuck out was kind of the difference and kind of the, the rivalry between White Goodman and Peter LaFleur. And I'll start with White Goodman. White Goodman is definitely my favorite character in this movie. He is an amazing villain. He's definitely the opposition. There's no doubting that. Uh, He puts the suspension of disbelief that's included in this movie to good use. Uh, Probably the best use of any character. He embodies everything that is cruel and toxic about workout culture to the utmost extreme. Uh, Like He builds his own gym, yes, but he did it with a large inheritance from his father, uh, which makes him easy to hate. Also, it's implied that part of the reason why he in such good shape is because he like had surgery to help too which like (laughs) that's just that seems like cheating uh to have someone go under the knife and and they really don't hammer on that very hard and you do see him working out a lot so i'm not sure if that's like canon that he actually underwent surgery uh but you definitely get the uh he didn't really earn it kind of feeling from uh white goodman which makes him you know just even more hateable when you see how like successful he is at least in the fitness uh community uh the like, global gym itself is an extension of his personality by not not only because it features so many pictures and cutouts and videos of him uh but it is it was his method of transforming him the method he's the result of the method he's he's trying to create other hymns through this uh this whole thing it, it's it's really the white Goodman gym all around. Um, yeah. he, he wants so badly to be taken seriously that he, he overdoes it over and over. He kind of hit on this with his, his dialogue uh, that just makes him so hilarious because he's taking himself uh, so seriously. Like, I mean, he pumps up his crotch with air. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the most like base level like macho move to try to make your your uh, your your male organ look outrageously beefy like that's just <laughs> what a- but what's weird about that I think is that like it must have worked right because like <laughs> like look where he is now he's like so confident that he's gonna be able to win Kate over with all his like <laughs> oh you think you it's know? like, like he definitely in the notices past? it. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I feel like that's a tried and true method. I, I'm not sure because <laughs> one of his big complaints to Peter is that Peter slept with three of yep. his uh, female trainers. It was one night. Yeah, it is one night. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I, it doesn't. There's no evidence in this movie that he has any sort of luck with uh, with women. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's a lot of evidence to the contrary. He is creepy persistence done right. He doesn't take no for an answer, and he eventually pays the price. He goes for. Kate immediately and it's creepy and funny yes but it's it's done in a way that makes him look like a bad person for going about it the way he does uh, he even ends up getting his face smashed into a wall because he is so persistent and can't ca- like get the hint 
that Kate yeah. isn't isn't into him. Uh, and what that does is for the audience, it reinforces the idea that hey, this isn't how you do it. You know, this is not how you go after a girl, no matter how macho, no matter how confident you are, this is not going to work. This is, uh, which going back to my, what I said about like racism, like you can have a racist character by making him look like an idiot and and a bad example for being racist. This is the same thing. He is, uh, misogynistic and, uh, intrusive to Kate but w- the result is bad for him. So it's like a, it's, it's, uh, for me, that's a good message that for the movie to be putting forward. Um, obviously, like, he, he actually is such a bad person. He becomes Kate's main motivation for playing dodgeball, or at least that's what she says. Um, he's, he's truly my favorite part of the movie. Actually, something I haven't really hit on yet that I also like is his over the top production. He, he they like he forms his team they have all the great looking matching uniforms they have the <laughs> thing going on <laughs> like oh my gosh and, and, and like even while they're playing the, he has like moves that have names like where uh michelle like crouches in front of him and he like like peekaboo or surprise or whatever like from behind uh all that stuff just makes him so much fun to watch it reminded me a lot of zoolander kind of like the uh otherworldly performer aspect of him where he's like so over the top he could never exist in real life uh so and i think he's a really entertaining part of this movie now let's look on the other side his rival peter lafleur our supposed protagonist who hasn't paid his power and water bill in eight months, and he, pay, he, he washes his teeth with chocolate milk. We're supposed to believe that his lack of wealth or worldly possessions comes from a place of generosity uh, and easygoingness. Uh, but in my opinion, it just comes across as negligent. His way of life is to aim so low, you'll never be disappointed, which is uh, criticized in this movie no doubt and it's actually the climax of the movie uh that he decides to deviate from that but he only deviates from it slightly and it works out for him so well that he basically never has to do it again he can go back to being the guy he was before but now it's actually going to work out perfectly he uh and worst of all he's also a creep as soon as he walks in the door and sees Kate in his office, he calls her a stripper um, and then yes. <laughs> immediately starts commenting on her appearance. And she's obviously not enjoying it. But does does that uh, stop him? No. In fact, it works out for him right after he rescues her from uh, White. And yes, White was being a nuisance. And yes, I guess it was a good guy move to also show up uninvited uh but right after they send white away he walks into her front door and she even says hey like i didn't invite you in so don't just walk into my house mildly rude thing to do but the movie rewards him at every step for doing things like this we're we're supposed to believe that white is this bad guy for having the same not the same execution but you know basically the same uh motivation and it works out for uh for our man here for peter almost inexplicably as soon as she mentioned that she's a miss not a missus 
you knew it. Book it. You know, <laughs> you know, punch your ticket. They're going to be together by the end of the movie. And the movie almost subverts this trope. You know, and what I thought would have been an amazing uh, like reveal at the end when her girlfriend comes out of the crowd and they kiss. And you're like, oh, like you thought we were going to let Vince Vaughn get the girl, even though he hasn't really done anything to deserve that yet. Um by but but she's like a lesbian, so not only does it, it subvert the trope, it also makes Dwight correct, which is funny because they all were like, <laughs> she's not a lesbian just because she plays softball, right? But instead, they you know try to have their cake and eat it too by saying that she's bisexual, which I will admit is also unexpected. But I couldn't help but roll my eyes when Vince Vaughn still gets the girl, and uh, you know they're obviously a couple after that, so. Sure, Peter LaFleur is the good guy in this story, but from a character perspective, I much prefer White Goodman. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is why this movie is, uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, age well. It's basically exactly what you're saying here. And um, I mean, I, I think what's interesting about Peter is in like, his whole arc is that he's, everyone kind of points out to him that he is kind of like a lazy asshole. There's this quote... Um, from white he says uh last i heard my gym makes money yours doesn't um and there's all this stuff about like how uh he, you know he's like oh he's got all these files and everything but it's like they're just like a total mess it's like how like how are we supposed to feel bad for this guy when he like all he does is sit in his office and play mad lips you know like <laughs> <laughs> and he's supposed to be like a um like a um a womanizer or something but like yeah i mean you don't really see much of that and you don't see why that would ever happen like he's not like he's he's that charming or interesting of a person you know he's just kind of a nice guy i guess i don't know it's uh it is frustrating especially from like the standpoint of like trying to give your your women in your movie um some sort of agency i feel like kate does have a lot to do and she is an important part of this movie but having her constantly be objectified and then you know having her end up with the main guy is kind of uh subverts that whole attempt to make her a real person yeah i agree totally instead of just an object yeah i, I do see where you're coming from with that uh, i think i've always noticed the the whole you know my poor treatment of women and the the sexual harassment from white more than peter and i do think it's probably just because kate is more receptive to peter's advances uh, but even in, with like some of the, the things that Peter has done, I do think he somewhat corrects himself. Like when he, he calls her pretty eyes and it was like what I went asking, like what kind of law she practices. She says sexual harassment mostly. And he kind of yeah, like, well, uh, he's t- afraid yeah. for his life at that yes. point. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But in the case of White Goodman, like I don't know if stuff like that necessarily stops him. That definitely um, wouldn't stop him. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's that's part of like just like for me, why I'm more pro Peter than white, just because I just. I just really hate White Goodman that I just find myself rooting for Peter the entire time, uh, regardless of the fact that he, you know, does have so many flaws with this character. And I think I'm more, maybe more just a a Vince Vaughn fan than a Peter LaFleur fan. And I'm glad you said that, Corey, because that's what I, that's the conclusion I came to is that I believe that Vince Vaughn in this movie is uh, acting like he's Vince Vaughn. Like he's yeah, playing Peter LaFleur, but when he's in front of, like, when he's confronted with White Goodman, the like uh, millionaire gym owner, and when he's confronted by uh, Kate, what's her last name? Heath or uh, Beat 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 Beach Beach Right Beach. 
Kate, when he's confronted with Kate, he acts like he's, oh, I'm Vince Vaughn. Girls love me. I'm a movie star. You know, he kind of has that like assumed likability that I think if you actually like Vince Vaughn as an actor, you're going to also attribute to his character. It's kind of like watching an Adam Sandler movie where he kind of acts like a, a jerk at times, but in the end, he's a nice guy. He's always a nice guy. He's Adam Sandler, you know, like he's, he ends up being the most likable character, or at least he, puts himself in his own movies in the place to be a very likable guy. And I feel like this kind of the same thing happens here with Vince Vaughn, uh, where you're just kind of supposed to uh, assign him a little bit, give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because he's Vince Vaughn and you already like him. Um, also, yeah. oh, by the way, it's, it's Kate Veach. Yes, Veach. I just love to say okay. that. Veach with a V. But anyways, I think that it's a interesting dichotomy because uh, you have a villain who is portrayed as so hateable, but I found so likable, and a protagonist mm. that I couldn't find enough reasons to like. Um, but I think that... I mean, yeah, I totally agree with that, and I think it's because of the actors. Like, you like... The reason why you like White Goodman is because Ben Stiller does such a good job of that, and you can separate his acting from the character. You know, you can see him being over the top and everything, but really selling the role. Whereas, you know, Vince Vaughn doesn't have to even try, doesn't seem like. So he just has to be himself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think we've driven this home. We've all expressed our opinions on the on the two lead men in this movie. Uh, I think it's time to deliver our ratings. And uh, this will be interesting because I think Corey might be the first guest we've had to deliver a rating on Affable Chat. That's right. So really. So we'll, uh, yeah, we, we, I don't think we've had a guest since we've changed formats uh, to become oh, a little okay. bit more structured like this. So we will uh, allow you the honor, Corey, of going first. All right. Well, I think Dodgeball tested positive for three separate types of anabolic steroids and a low-grade beaver tranquilizer. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Bernice. She was transitioning. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess maybe that joke doesn't age well either. <laughs> uh, but a good reference, Corey. Joey, do you want to go next? Sure. I give this movie um, a briefcase, uh, but inside it's just a single stack of bills. <laughs> oh that was a good joke too i like that because uh, he's like have you ever seen a hundred thousand dollars in person oh oh that's so funny um i give this movie two thumbs up one thumb down oh <laughs> i can't that took me and one of the thumbs is obviously chuck norris uh, good. but okay so that that wraps up the ratings and it wraps up our episode on dodgeball the underdog story i i liked it we had a good conversation here uh, yeah, I, definitely I felt like so. I felt like we kept it bouncing back and forth, even though it's kind of hard when you have this many people on the mic. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, on thanks Apple for having Chat. me. I, I had a lot of fun, and uh, it's definitely a fun movie to talk about. Do, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, uh, well, I know you kind of mentioned it earlier, but Ben and I do do a podcast ourselves. Uh, it's called the Ben and Corey Podcast. We have our final episode of. 2018 coming up next week i'll probably be released on thursday december 20th it is mostly a sports podcast but we do like to kind of step away from that a little bit um and we're going to be doing more of a kind of holiday christmasy theme for our final episode of the new year with all the holidays coming up so if you like listening to ben talk about movies he does just as well talking about sports and i think you would uh 
like that one just as much. That That's very flattering, Corey. Yes, please check it out. Ben and Corey, it's the working title for now. We're, uh, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're working it's on It's the working title for 10 and a half months. Yeah. Yes. Corey, do you have a Twitter or something? I do. Uh, not at, at this point, I'm mostly only active on Twitter to tweet out links to the podcast, but it's at cnovotny915. So that's C-N-O-V-O-T-N-Y-915. And uh, you can find find me and my podcast there. You can also find our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Awesome. Cool. Corey Novotny, friend of the podcast. Make sure you go give him a follow. Uh, coming up on Affable Chat, next we've got The Unforgiven, a, uh, a, a Western that was requested to us. I believe it's a Western might not be i've never yes, it, is. it is a western and that was requested uh for and we're doing that one next week and on christmas week we are going to be doing the grinch from the original oh, it's how the grinch stole christmas uh which is is it how the grinch stole christmas or is it the grinch that stole yeah. christmas now i'm it's how the grinch stole how the grinch. grinch stole christmas the original one the dr seuss one from 1966 yes and it we put out a poll the people voted and this was when they chose so uh, look forward to that. Um, but I think that wraps up this episode. That was enough plugs uh, at the end of this. So for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at Affable Chat or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.